Philippians chapter 4, and I know you just got situated and seated, and uh, just because we do this at our church every Sunday morning, if you're physically able, please stand to your feet for the reading of the Word of God. I know, I know, you just took your shoes off and got comfortable, but I'll let you put them back on in a second. Philippians chapter 4, how many love the Word of God? How many are thankful for the Word of God? I I, I love the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse 1. In just a second, but uh, just a reminder, a little background, Paul's in prison uh, in a place called Philippi, and it's a dirty, dingy, dark prison cell, and unlike the prisons here in America, they don't have, they don't have cell phones in their prison cell, no microwaves, uh, it's dark, and, and he's in prison for something that he didn't do, he's, a, he's in there for a, on a trumped up charge, and uh, what's interesting to me about the Apostle Paul is, it, it, particularly about Philippians, is the theme of Philippians, do you know what the theme of the book of Philippians is? Joy, which is interesting. He's in a dark, dingy, uh, dusty prison on a trumped-up charge for something he didn't do, yet 17 times in the book of Philippians, he uses the word joy or rejoice. It's amazing to me. I think I'd be a little ticked off if I was in prison for something I didn't do, but he said, no, I want you to rejoice in the Lord, and again, I say rejoice, all right? Everybody look at me real quick. I promise you, I'm not going to be able to read all nine verses. I'll probably stop a couple times and annoy you. I'm just going to tell you that's where we're going, okay? Okay. So verse 1. Ready? Say go. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Someone say stand fast. By the way, there's going to be some hard days serving Jesus, but we need to stand fast. There's going to be some difficult days following the Lord, but we need to stand fast. Other people that we know that at one time served the Lord, they're going to walk away from the Lord, but we need to... By the way, does anybody know someone at one time or another that they love the Lord, they follow the Lord, they came to church all the time, and then they just turned their back on the Lord? I've discovered it's really easy to start something. January 1st, you can go to the gym at Anytime Fitness, and it's easy to sign up. It's harder to go to the gym and work out. It's easy to stand before a bunch of friends and family and get married. In fact, you can even do it online. It's a harder thing to stay married and have a good marriage 40, 50 years down the road. And all the married people said amen. It's easy to have kids. It's hard to raise them in those teenage years. And all the parents said amen. amen. So we need to stand fast in the Lord. He says in verse 2, I implore Yodia and I implore Sintiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, say it with me. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. How you doing so far? Be anxious for nothing. How you doing so far? <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things of good report, if there's anything virtue, if there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received, and heard, and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. Father, thank you for the word of God, the people of God. I pray, God, as your word goes uh, forth in this room and online, that the word of God would have free course to move in our hearts and lives. God, we're not here just to have a church service. We're not just here to fill a, a, a weekend, an assignment. We're here to hear from the Holy Spirit. So God, speak, we pray. 
by the spirit of the living God and the truth of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone shouted. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank you. Now you can take your shoes off. How many of you, uh, how many of you can use, just with hands lifted, how many can use a little more peace in your life? Peace? A little more peace in your life, relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, uh, peace in your health. I, I can use a little bit more peace. And I, I love the text here because it really spins three things out of the text that, that if you want more peace, if you're looking for more peace in your life, uh, God will give it to you. And I want to pull pr- three principles out of the text. So here's the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, write these three things down too. That was funny. I don't care what you say. Number one, number one. A peaceful heart, a peaceful heart. In fact, the, the title of my message is Peace in a Prison, Peace in a Prison. So Paul's in a prison, but he still has the peace and the joy of the Lord. But number one, uh, point number one, a peaceful person, first of all, resolves conflict. A peaceful person resolves conflict. Notice in the text again in verse uh, two, it says, I implore. Uh, notice that word there, implore. In the NIV, I believe it says to beg or to urge. Notice Paul is... He's pretty intense here in, in verse 2. He says, I implore or I beg or I urge two ladies, Yodia and Syntyche, to be of the same mind. In other words, these two ladies, for whatever reason, were not getting along in the church. And I know that never happens in this church or my church, but um, but isn't it interesting that, that Paul, look at me, Paul calls these ladies out by name. That's pretty intense. Can you imagine if two ladies here at, at Living Word Fellowship were kind of in, in a fight, and Pastor Doug sends an email to the entire church letting everybody know that two ladies in the church are at odds with one another? That's pretty intense. So he says, I implore you, I beg you, these two, you got to work this thing out. I don't know what's going on, but you got to work it out. So if you want a peaceful heart, you have to learn how to resolve conflict. And I'm talking, I've been doing this, I've been a pastor for 33 years, 25 years we'll be celebrating at our church. And how many know that churches can be destroyed and divided because of conflict? And I want to say this, I don't even think it was something bigger theological. Because I think Paul probably would have said something. I thought, I think it was probably something very small and minimal. Some of the, I just want to be, some of the dumb things that we argue about and fight about in churches, right? And how many know that the word of God doesn't even talk about how I many we could argue about worship? How long should worship be? What should, what, what song? Should it be uh, choruses or hymns or a combination? And, and we can argue about that and get in fights. And I'm not going to that church. They don't do enough hymns or they do too many choruses. And we could fight about that. We could fight about how we dress at church. Isn't that true? Because some people think that if you're coming to the house of God, you should be in a full suit with the tie and ladies should be in a dress. And we, we fight about that and we fight about the word of God and how long should messages be and what translation of the Bible should we use. And, and we go back and forth. And what I've discovered in 33 years of full-time ministry is a, the enemy loves to steal, kill, and congregate. So if he can get these three great, beautiful lady girls on the front row ticked off at Pastor Shar because she did This is hypothetical, by the way. She's a, she's a lot nicer than Pastor Doug, but you're walking through the lobby and for whatever, she's focused on the worship and getting the set ready and, and you all say hi to her and for whatever reason she didn't hear it or, and, and she's focused on what she, and she didn't say hi to me. She didn't say hi, she didn't say hi to me either. And last week I said hi to her and I mean, oh, I mean, some of the dumbest things that we get upset about. And here's what I've discovered about offense. 90% of the time, people aren't even trying to offend us. And we take the offense. 
I want to challenge you. If you want to live a life of peace in your life, you need to learn how to resolve conflict. And someone said amen. And he says in verse 3, I urge you, my true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. It doesn't mention the guy's name. His name is actually Sisychus. He says, Sisychus, you need to help me. Get in between these two ladies and would you help me work it out? By the way, if you're pregnant looking for the name of your next child, can I suggest Sisychus for you? But but he's like, hey, Sisychus, get in the middle of these two ladies. They're at odds about something and uh, step in the middle of it. By the way, do you know the book of Philemon? The whole book of Philemon is about getting, you know that two people that are odds with one another, getting in the midst of that conflict and help those two people work it out. But typically we don't, when, when we, we're in conflict with people, we just move to the next church, move to the next marriage, move to the next job. What has shocked me and rocked me in 33 years of full-time ministry is there are numbers of people in the church that just blow through relationships. I'll just go on to somebody else. And if you want to have a peaceful heart, I'm telling you, you have to learn how to resolve conflict. And I want to say this. Everybody is offended about something. Isn't it true? Democrats are offended. Republicans are offended. Men are offended. Women are offended. Hawkeye fans are offended. Cyclone fans are offended. How many know carnivores are offended? Vegans are offended. True, true. Do you know that that vegans are trying to change? They're lobbying for the removal of meat-based metaphors. True story. So instead, you know that phrase, bring home the bacon? You know that? They're actually, they're they're trying to change that to bring home the broccoli. You know know that phrase, uh, you're beating a dead horse? They're trying to get to change it to you're feeding a thin horse. You know that, you know that phrase, you can kill two birds with a stone? They're trying to get that changed so you can feed two birds with a chicken bone. And listen, everybody's offended about everything. Listen, and I'm not, I'm telling you, because of what I do as a pastor, I, I would put myself up there with most people in the room or most people watching online of the comments that are said and and the opinions that people have about me. And I'm not asking you to do something that I I haven't done. I can tell you probably in the last two or three years, I've had over a hundred conversations with people inside of our church or our staff about, hey, can we just get on the same page together? This isn't a big deal. Let's work out the conflict if we want to have a peaceful heart. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 17.1. You can pop it up on the screen. Look at this verse. Jesus said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come. He says it's impossible. By the way, as a parent, are your kids going to say some things to hurt you or disrespect you? Yes. It's impossible that offenses aren't going to come. Is is your spouse at one time through your marriage going to say something that's going to hurt your feelings? Absolutely. Listen, don't be surprised. Offenses are going to come. Is your boss going to overlook you? Is someone going to be mean to you? Are they going to unfollow you on Facebook? Most likely. It's impossible that offenses will not come. I, I want to say this. There's a big difference between offenses and offended. Listen, just carefully. Offenses that you did something mean. Offended is I'm going to retaliate. Offense is you didn't invite me or include me. Offended is I'm not going to invite you or include you. Offense says you did it. Offended says I'll never forgive you. Offense is an event. Offended is decision. And listen, Jesus said, it's impossible. It's impossible. Someone say it's impossible. It's impossible to walk through this life and not be offended. But if you want a peaceful heart, you got to learn 
to resolve all conflict. Can someone say amen in the house? There's things that we get upset about in the church again. We get upset, you know, in our church. We've had people leave our church because a volunteer didn't sit them in the right section. I can't. I can't control four or five hundred volunteers in our church, right? But they just move on to the next place. It's impossible that offenses aren't going to come, but it's possible that we wouldn't be offended. So how about this phrase? Ready? I want you to say it out loud. I'm over it. I'm over it. It's like, yeah, was it hurtful? Yes, but I'm, I'm over it. Hey, we didn't go to lunch after church where I wanted to go, but it's not a big deal. They unfriended me on Instagram. I'm over it. I, I wasn't invited to the wedding or the, the party or the shower. I'm over it. It's just, it's not a big deal. If I want to walk in the peace and the joy of the Lord, I need to learn to have a peaceful heart. I need to get over a spirit of offense. Amen? Here's the second thing. Number two, write this down. Number two, a peaceful heart. We doing all right? Yes. All right. A peaceful heart, number two, removes anxiety. A peaceful heart removes anxiety. Again, verse 6, be anxious for, I love it in the New King James, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How many, how, many, how many things are we allowed to be anxious about? Nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. Guard. Someone say guard. Then it will guard your, I'm just wondering, because again, Paul's in a prison, right? I'm just wondering if he's trying to think about, the fact that he's in prison on a trumped-up charge and he wants to walk in the peace of God, but he, he and he wants that peace, and he's like, I'm looking for a word. I'm looking for a word right now. And then he looks outside of his cell and he sees a guard. And he's like, that's it. Just like the guy's guarding my prison cell, what I need is I need something to guard my heart and mind to not walk in a spirit of anxiety. Nothing. He says nothing. I'm like, come on, Paul. Not Nothing? Well, you're not, you're not living in 2022. At least in California, like, they're, they're starting to come down, but the gas prices were like 639, like a month ago. Do you know how much money it costs to drive from my house to LAX and back? It's a lot of money. And Paul's like, I know, nothing, nothing. I know, but the inflation and the political unrest and the racial division, he's like, I got it. Nothing. Be anxious for no thing. Isn't this amazing to you? Because again, he's in prison for something that he didn't do and he's saying nothing. Now listen, I want to I want to ask you, is it okay to be concerned about some things? Yes. Concerned, yes. Anxious? No. Concern should I be concerned as a parent at what my teacher is teaching my elementary and junior high school student? Yes. Should I be concerned? Should I look over the curriculum? Yes. yes. But should I be anxious and freaking out and being a helicopter parent? No. Should, listen, should I be concerned about my health and take care of my body and exercise and eat good? Yes, but I'm not going to freak out. Should I be concerned about my finance? Should I be frugal? I'll ask this section over here. <laughs> should I be frugal? Yes. But listen, I'm not going to stop tithing. I'm not going to stop giving. I'm not going to stop being a generous person. I'm not going to stay up all night freaking out about my finances because we just read in Psalm 37, God's going to take care of me. So... Yes, be concerned, but I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to step on some toes. It's okay. I'm flying out in a couple hours. <laughs> so when the whole COVID, the COVID thing happened, should I be concerned about COVID? Yes. And if I'm a little older and I've got some, you know, health issues, for sure. 
But I, I, I'm sick, like, I'm riding my bicycle in Ventura, like this guy's all by himself in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, why are you wearing a mask? You're all by yourself in the boondock, like nobody's within 5,000 miles of you. Why are you? So, listen, should I be concerned about COVID and, and getting it? And Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm not, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. Paul says, listen, you and I can worry about nothing. Concern, yes. Be anxious for nothing. I want to share a couple of reasons why I think we get anxious. Here's just a couple of things I thought about. I think sometimes we have the wrong approach in life. Can, can, can I break this down? Okay, so you say, my job is so stressful, right? So if you work in, let's say, say you work in Des Moines, right? And it takes, what, 30 minutes to go, 35 minutes? And you got to be there every day at 830. But if you wake up at 745 and you leave at 8 o'clock to get there at 830, and every time you pull out, there's always, like, there's going to be a little traffic at this point in the journey. And uh, so you're, you, you, you wake up late, you take off late, you hit a little bit of traffic, you're pounding your steering wheel and, uh, and, and you show up and you're five minutes late, ten minutes late, and the boss is like, you did it again. And you're anxious about it. See, the problem is that you're not approaching your work day appropriately. How about that? Just a suggestion, okay, from a guy from California. How about getting up at like 7.15 or 7.20? And instead of leaving at 8 o'clock for your 8.30 day at Des Moines, why don't you leave at like 7.40 and then you won't have to yell and scream and cuss at everybody else on the road that you're running late and you're going to get there 10 or 15 minutes early and uh, the approach to your day, listen, it's not that you necessarily have a stressful job, it's that you approach the day the wrong way. Huh? How, how, about, how about this? I hear a lot of teen. My te- teacher's just a hater. Teacher's a hater. No, no. Everybody said No. Your teacher's not a hater. You've known about the assignment for three months now. You decided to wait till Sunday night at 11 p.m. to start the assignment that's due the next day. So it's not that your teacher is a hater. You are a procrastinator. And all the parents said, amen. Yeah. All the teenagers are like, I'm out of here right now. Yeah. So, again, let's talk about finances. So I think sometimes we approach our finances. If you're making $12 an hour, but you go out to lunch or dinner four or five times a week, and you stop at the coffee store and spend $6 on a Frappuccino, and your finances are really tight, maybe more wise to eat at the house and skip the Starbucks or whatever coffee place that you go to. It's not necessarily that your finances are tight. It's that you're not really approaching your finances correctly. So I think sometimes we're stressed out, number one, wrong approach. Number two, wrong expectation. Wrong expectation. I, listen, if you think serving Jesus means that you're not going to have any challenges, you got another thing coming. I got saved in 1985. The elder took me into a room like this, went into the room, and he said, greatest day of your life. All your problems are going away. You're not going to have any more problems. God, God, I was like, that's awesome. And I realized like 24 hours later, he lied to me. <laughs> Tell me now, once you start serving, like you got a big bullseye on your back. And then he comes after you, and and uh, so wrong approach, wrong expectations. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if my expectations at my church every Sunday morning when I preach is this, everybody in the church is going to bring their Bible to church, is going to say amen at the right time, is going to, like, come on, Pastor Steve, everybody's going to take copious notes, everybody after the service is over is going to greet me in the lobby and say that was one of the best messages I've ever heard, is going to post something on Facebook or Instagram saying, he killed it today. If that's my expectation, how many of you know, I'm going to be a very anxious person. Because that, that, that's, my, my, that's not my expectation. With all due respect, my expectation is if I can be true to the text, and if I can preach to the audience of one, his name is Jesus Christ, 
It re- listen, it do- really doesn't matter. I- I'm just, I- my expectation is just to please God and please the text and to, to share something that God put in my heart. I mean, I'm not going to be stressed out about what kind of reception that I get. Wrong expectation, wrong approach. Third thing, I think we get stressed out because we're listening to the wrong voices. Wrong voices. Look at me for a second. I think one of the worst things is 24-hour news. Do we need to listen to the same thing over and over and over? And in California, fires. And I'm only, I can only water my lawn one time a week right now. I don't even water. It doesn't do anything. So we're, we're in a drought and, and the fires and, and uh, all the political stuff. Do, do I need to hear that 24 hours a day, seven days a week? CNN and Fox and Channel 2 and Channel 4 and Channel 7. Now we got, a, we got our cell phones there and we're just listening to the wrong voices about recession and COVID and now we got the monkey pox and Ukraine and China and all this stuff. And, and we're listening to all these voices and sometimes also we get around negative people. We get around negative people that add to it. And so sometimes we're listening to the wrong voices that are external. But I may know that sometimes we're listening to the wrong voices internally. By the way, sometimes the biggest enemy is not the enemy, the devil, although he is. It's the enemy in a me. In, in me. And I can point my finger at all these other people, but sometimes I get stressed out. I get anxious because of, of me. I don't know if you've ever been to a, how many have ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? It's okay to raise your hand. Uh, one, one's called Fogo de Chao. There's one in our town called Texas de Brazil. It's awesome. I think it's $49, and it's all the food you can eat, but it's like, if you know anything about Brazil or Argentina, it's all about the meat. And they come out with skewers of meat. And at your table, you have a little disc. One side is red and one side's green. So right when you get there, you put it on green, and they just come by, and every two and a half seconds, you want some sausage, you want some of this, and they got like 16 different kinds of meat, and they're just taking it off, and you're just... And then when you get full, you turn it over to red, you're like... Stop, you're killing me. And then you kind of get a breath, five or ten minutes, you turn it back over to green, and they'll just keep coming until you, like, die, is basically what happens. And and I think I think sometimes our thoughts are like that. Our thoughts are like that. They just keep coming and coming and coming, and I just believe I got a prophetic word for someone. You need to turn the disc over to red, and you need to stop it. Stop the inner voices. Stop the outer voices. Stop the, the voices that you keep, even the voices that you tell about yourself. You need to stop it. Wrong approach, wrong expectation. Third thing is the wrong voices. Look at this verse on the screen, Matthew 6, 28. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil. Someone say toil. I looked up the word there. It means to work extremely hard or what? Or, I mean, that, that's stress. This is stress. We're just like spinning, spinning. Spinning. I just, I'm just so worried about my health. I'm so worried about my finances. So worried about my marriage. So worried about my kids. You know what's interesting about spinning? You, you don't make any progress and you wind up in the exact same place you started. And the Bible says that the lilies, they're not stressed out. If God's going to take care of them, the birds of the air, how much more will he take care of you and I? Number one, a peaceful person resolves conflict. Number two, the peaceful person removes anxiety. Number three, and I'll get out of your way. Number three. A peaceful heart replays the good. He says in verse 8, the things that are noble, and good, and praiseworthy, he says, meditate on these things. Think, listen, think about these things. The young people aren't going to know what this is, but it's an album. 
all the old people. Remember these things? And they were fun to throw, too, by the way, in the street. And uh, um, Then they went to, what, 8-track tape and then cassette tape. And now you, we got everything on our phones. But this is a vinyl album. And how many know that, that we, play, we play songs to ourselves in our head? You know, you know what the song is? Everyone say, what is it? And, and it gets stuck, you know, on the same song. What if? What if my marriage falls apart? What if my kids go south? What if they get addicted to drugs? What if? What if? What if I die early? What if? And, and we just keep playing the same song over and over and over. And we're, we're stressed and anxious about the what ifs in our life. And I mean, most of the time, the what ifs never even transpire. And we're freaked out and stressed and anxious about something. It's a what if. And Paul says in verse 8, no, 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 meditate on these things, on pure and noble and good report, not on negative things, not on awful things, not on the things that could happen or might happen. No, but meditate on, on the Word of God. Be a Smith Wigglesworth Christian, right? Medi- meditate on this thing. And how I many know this can change your mind and change your perspective? We need to replay the good. And we, we, we say things to ourselves. Well, I got to talk kind of like, well, Never works out for me, so I guess it's not going to work out for me. No, no. The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the. It's just a, that's my favorite one. It's just a story of my life. It's just like the story of my life. One thing after it's just. A, I'm like, how about changing the story then? It's just a story of my life. Story of my life. Story of my life. Change the story. Flip the page. Put on a new song. Replay the good. Can someone say amen? Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and we. We start creating these scenarios in our, in our mind. The song. My stomach hurts. Your stomach hurts. Oh my good, I got a stomach. Maybe I got, maybe, a, I don't know, maybe I got an ulcer. They, they kind of run in the family. Maybe I got an ulcer. I better go see the doctor. Man, if I, I can't die now. I, then we start thinking, I got like five weeks to live. I got five weeks to live. I got an ulcer. No, no, you don't have an ulcer. You had too much pepperoni and jalapenos the night before. It's not an ulcer. I mean, we're playing the song. What, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And it never, never happens. My boss. You ever get called into the office by your boss? Every Tuesday when I was a youth pastor, every Tuesday my pastor, beep, need to talk to you. I would just, I'd be walking to his office like, uh-oh, what did I do now? You know what I'm saying? And it's always worst case. And you think, I get called into the office and what did I do now? What you going to do? I can't, I can't lose my job. We're already on a tight budget. If I lose my job... Uh, it's going to be hard to get another job, and I'm not going to, I don't know where I'm going to live, and I can't even afford the house that I'm in, and, and, no, he just wanted to tell you, you did a great job on the project. But we're just like, freaking out. You have a five-year-old little boy. He's a little rambunctious, like most five-year-old little boys are. But the teacher, he just, he's a good kid, he's just a little rambunctious. Oh my God, maybe he has ADHD. If he has ADHD, then he gets into junior high. He's not going to have a whole lot of friends. And he gets into high school. He's probably going to join a gang. If he joins a gang, he's probably going to kill somebody. He's going to be in prison. You have a five-year-old sitting on death row. No, no. He's just a rambunctious little kid with a little energy. How about flipping the script, playing a different song, and saying, you know what? This five-year-old is going to be a world changer. He's going to be an evangelist for the goodness of Jesus Christ. No, but we play the song, what if, what if. What if? And Paul says, no, 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 no. Again, look at verse 8. He says, I want you to meditate on the things that are noble, just, pure, lovely, 
things of good report. If there is any virtue or if anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Does anybody like ESPN Sports Center? Okay, we've got a couple of Christians in the room. Awesome. Thank you. I, I love ESPN Sports, but my favorite is when they, at the very end, they do the top 10 plays of the day. You ever seen that? And, uh, I mean, oh, that day, look at me, that day there were a lot of games played. Football games, basketball, baseball, soccer, a lot of games played. And I mean, in those games that were played, there were a lot of mistakes that were made. There were fumbles and turnovers. There were interceptions. There were missed tackles. There were uh, the fouls. There was a lot of things that happened. But you know what ESPN Sports Center Top 10 chooses to do? They take all the plays, all the games from that day, and they splice it together, and they edit the 10 best plays of the day. This will preach right here. You know what I'm saying? And what do we start splicing and editing all the bad news, all the bad things? And ESPN Sports Center says, no, what I've done, I've chosen to focus on the good. And they splice it together, and for about a minute or 90 seconds, you're watching the best place of the day. We need to turn off the song, What If? And we need to focus on the Word of God and the goodness of God. And if you want to live a life of peace, you got to learn to replay the good. Can someone say amen in the house? I want to end with this. Um, my oldest daughter's 28. My son's 25 married. And my other daughter's 26. She'll be 27. But when they were probably four, two, and three months, we took our church on a water ski trip. Andy was there. And we were at a lake. And my oldest daughter was probably four or five at the time. And she walked into the lake. And there was sand there. And she stepped on a twisted 7-Up can. And it just cut the bottom of her foot. So we brought her to the camper. Andy was looking at her. We kind of banged on it. And I was like, well, this looks pretty deep. And he said, yeah, we, we're going to probably have to take her to the hospital. So we drove to Bakersfield. I don't know if you've ever been to Bakersfield. You go to, you go to Gehenna, hell, and then you go five miles south, and that's Bakersfield. So I'm just kidding. It's out in the middle of nowhere, and it's really hot. Um, so we took her to the hospital, and so she's four or five years old, and the doctor's got her on uh, the table there. And so he's going to give her some stitches, but before he gives her stitches, she's got to get a shot. So just... Let's just vote. How many, how many think like four and five year old kids really like getting shots when they go to the doctor? Let's go ahead and vote. Yes, this is, they love it or no, this is horrible. Okay, go ahead and vote. Yeah, yeah. So she's kind of really, and she's like, what are they going to do, daddy? I'm like, they're going to give you a shot and, uh, but it's going to be okay. So they clean the whole thing out and that's painful, right? And, and I see the doctor, he's got, he's like, got his back turned. He starts putting all the medicine and stuff. He's got big old needle and stuff. And she kind of starts to cry a little bit. And then he whips around on the side and he pulls out a lollipop. And uh, so right before he gives her a needle pop, he gives her a lollipop. And so, so what happens though? He actually shoots her like in the bottom of the foot. And she's like, ah! And she's freaking out in the emergency room. Ah! Then he whips around, gives her a lollipop. She's like, ah! And it was the funniest thing. So here's the thing. When she focused on the pain of the injury, she was crying and having a, a hard time. But listen, when she focused on the lollipop, it got her attention off of the pain. And because she was enjoying something that was so sweet. It was called a Tootsie lollipop, right? Listen, if we can get our focus off of all the bad and the negative and focus on, I just want to say, Jesus Christ is our lollipop. That might not be theologically accurate, but it's true this morning. Listen, focus on the goodness of God, on the sweetness of God. And all of us are going to go through trials and hard times and difficult days, but if we can focus on him and focus on his goodness, I mean, all the other things will fall away in Jesus' name when someone said, Amen. Amen. I need peace. I need peace. Because I need peace, I need to resolve conflict. 
Because the enemy, he's really good. You know, there's a term in war. It's called shoot to kill. So if I just came in and, God forbid, this, but somebody came in and killed Pastor Doug, shoot to kill, he, he's out of the picture, right? But the enemy doesn't work like that. He, he, he does what I want to call shoot to wound. So if he takes out Pastor Doug, that's terrible. But if he just wounds him, then it takes like seven or eight other people to come along and say, okay, da, da, da. that's what happens in a lot of churches. He just wounds the church. And he wants to cause division. And I want, I, I want to challenge you today. If you're at odds with anybody, again, I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done over and over and over in my life. Even at times where like, look at me, I know that I wasn't at fault. Got a little tiff with my wife before we got here. Just a little one. Most of the time it's her fault. Uh, most of the time it's my fault. But just a little thing, little little disagreement. I was riding my bike the day before I got on a plane and going over my message and praying. And he's like, what was your f- first point again? The Lord said. He's like, oh, you need to resolve conflict. He's like, you're going to do that? You're just going to preach about it. <clears throat> I'll do it. All right, I'll do it. But listen, even times I know that that I wasn't at fault for something. Hey, can we send a text. Can we sit down and can we have a conversation? Can we work this thing out? Like we, we, we love the Lord. Is there anything that big that we can't work out? You're like, that, that's awesome because I got relatives coming in at Thanksgiving. I think I'm going to sit. No, no, we're not waiting until Thanksgiving. Send the email, make the phone call, get it done. If you want to have a life of peace, walk in the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, you got to resolve all conflict. Second thing, I don't know what you're worried about. I don't know what's gripping you with anxiety. But Paul says, don't be anxious for anything. Listen, God, God has you. He's got you. He's got your finances with me. He's got my health. He's got, he's got me. I'm not leaving this earth two seconds before I'm supposed to leave. And neither are you. He's got your finances. He's got your marriage. He's got your family. He's got your job. I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford a house. He's, he's got you. Just be faithful. You don't have to be anxious. Stop spinning. Stop toiling. Stop trying to do it on your own. Just rest in the goodness of God. And finally, because I need peace, I got, I got to, I, I have a tendency to go to the negative too. I have a tendency to, what if, what if? But Steve, you got to focus on the goodness of God. You got to focus on the word of God. Meditate on these things. These things, these positive things, these biblical things, these, these awesome things. God's got you. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.